Welcome to part two of Health System CIO's interview with Linda Stevenson, CIO at Fisher Titus Medical Center. In this segment, Stevenson talks about what she learned during her time in the vendor world about building strong relationships, the mistake many organizations make when it comes to promoting talent, and how she uses her yoga practice to maintain a healthy work-life balance. The following Health System CIO podcast is brought to you by LK, a nationwide leader in healthcare connectivity. Decommission your legacy systems with LK Archive. All systems, all data, one consolidated solution. Retain 100% of your legacy data at 20% of the cost with LK Archive. For more information, visit LK.com. That's E-L-L-K-A-Y.com. How have you been able to kind of assess the, the readiness for change and the willingness to, uh, to take on what are, what are going to be, you know, maybe a, a big project that will have a lot of upside in the long run? Well, and something I think I'm still dealing with, part of that was just getting to know the people. And by those conversations, you kind of start to get a sense of who is like all in and excited for whatever comes and who is going to be reluctant for that and then figuring out where they fit into those changes. The other piece is finding out what I'm working with. So as, as we approach change, you got to know where you're starting before you know where you're going to. Yeah. And so getting some skills assessments, getting some of that together to understand who's got what skills and where, what we're ready for. I think the other thing that I think I do well and I've been trying to do more here is just get in front of them as often as possible, that meeting my team, the IT team, as well as leadership, to kind of show them that, there are some great benefits coming. The more you can kind of be the champion of here's what happens when we improve our change control process or here's what happens when we put the decisions back on the department and let them be part of the process and not IT making decisions for everyone. So I think that's going well so far. Yeah, that's it's something I've, I've heard kind of similar where because IT doesn't really touch the patient, some leaders have tried to kind of show them that aspect and just really wanting to help people to see the impact of the work they're doing, especially when they can't necessarily see that every day. Absolutely. We just had that conversation on Monday of this week at our department meeting. I went around the room and asked everybody to tell me what you love about your job. And, you know, not one, well, I should say not one. There was probably one person who said, you know, I'd like to sit at my desk and program. But most of it was talk with my users and meet with the people and work with my team and support my coworkers. And then a couple of us said, and this is is my take on it, is you could work in another industry. You can work in manufacturing and you could do IT that supports the building of a widget. But what we do is everything we do is for the patient and the people that support the patients. And, I think there is definitely an underlying love of that that makes it worthwhile. Right. And so through, like you said, through having discussions or just small group meetings, it's, it's a way to kind of really emphasize that. Yep. I also like love to do, in every one of our department meetings, love to do inspirational video. So maybe it's a customer service-focused video. Maybe it's a patient-focused video. But something that kind of inspires them to – to do the very best that they can to bring the best service that they can because ultimately that improves our patient's experience. And we talk about that at every meeting. Yeah. So IT is not quite as removed that way. Right, right, yeah. Now, your most recent role, was that in the provider side or was that in the vendor side? 
Well, yes and no. How's that for an answer? I actually worked at Southwest General, that's in Middleburg Heights, Ohio, but three and a half years ago, they outsourced their IT department to Cerner. Okay. So I was one of the group that was outsourced. So while I only worked at Southwest, I considered myself there for the provider at the hospital, but I technically was paid for and worked for Cerner, a vendor. Okay. So it's very interesting. Yeah, it is. So that's allowed, allowed me to build strong relationships with the vendor and, and over here working with Cerner now, I know how to discuss things with them and how to negotiate and how to do contracting with them. It's much easier on Fisher Titus because I have that ability to talk to Cerner like that. Right. Yeah. I, I would think that that would be really beneficial, especially yeah. in having those conversations to make sure that the technology is, is, doing, is doing what it's supposed to be, making sure that, you know, you're organization is is getting the most from its investment. Exactly. I think that that can sometimes be a difficult conversation. And because you've had that time uh, sort of on the vendor side, do you have any kind of advice or best practices on how IT leaders can really approach that conversation? One of the things I see happen all too often that I think doesn't go well is when you approach it with blame. And I've seen it here even. Uh, where you go into the conversation of you should have, you should have, when, when you go at it from a much more positive approach and say, look, we can do better with this. How can we as a group do this better? It's you know partially my thing. It's partially your thing. If we're partners, vendor and provider, we both have to come to the table. I'm always honest when I think that something maybe we could have done better, but then I will also call them on it and say, and I would expect more of you as well. I think that helps to go along a long way to build the trust. Yeah. And uh, having obviously having that Cerner experience is helpful for you, but sometimes there are, or probably quite often there are leaders who, who walk into a situation where, you know, the vendor has already been in place. So in that case, uh, I guess you, it's really important to just try to get out in front of it and have those conversations early. Yes. Yeah. Build the relationship early. I'm trying to meet as many of them as I can now just to get to know them here's who I am, here's how we can work together. And then when problems do arise, you've already had some relationship built in in some way anyway. Yeah. Trying to engage in a lot of different um, vendor events and contract discussions so that I get to know everybody. Yeah. It seems to me to be um, an interesting reflection of how the CIO role has evolved to where you know, things like you know, vendor management, communication are, are really um, such a big part of that role now. Yeah, I, I think that when done well, the CIO is at the table as part of the strategic plan at every organization because they can't move forward without our, you know, we're almost like a utility. You can't do things without electricity. You can't do things without IT anymore. So to have us at the table for that planning is really important. To do that requires a lot of uh, trust, and, and that communication helps to build that trust. Yeah. And Again, I, just, just like project management, it all goes back to communication. So those skills built up, the communication skills built up, hurting the cats in project management lend itself perfectly to this. Right, right. And it kind of along those lines, when you're forming a team or – um, just really thinking about who, who could kind of step into leadership roles or what are the attributes that you really value most in team members? As I select people moving up through management, I think the most important thing is attitude. I've always hired 
for attitude, not aptitude. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like I can teach you almost anything if you have the right attitude and willingness and curiosity to learn. So that's, mm -hmm. I think, key. And, of course, the willingness to communicate, especially in IT, because there's a certain number of roles in IT that attract people that are not great communicators. They could be right. amazing programmers and network analysts or security or whatever, but they cannot communicate with anybody because that's not what they do. Right, right. So you have to really kind of vet through that to see, because as you move into management, that is the key. It's a how can we work together? How can we respect each other and communicate with each other and think bigger picture? So they always have to be able, willing to dig in and understand what does the future look like, not just today. Right. And there certainly is a learning curve when, like you said, you have somebody who has a great attitude but hasn't learned particular skills. So I guess it's just a matter also of being patient and helping them through that learning curve. Well, certainly you're, there's mentoring involved with any new employee or anybody you bring on board. There has to be mentoring. But I think there's also, unfortunately, a trend in some places where they get promoted because that's the natural growth path. In other words, your programmer who is your rock star employee is an amazing programmer, can write anything you need, does not necessarily mean they should be promoted to management someday. Right. So understanding that you got to treat and reward your rock star makes them feel rewarded, but that doesn't mean you have to promote them. And then promote the people who really are on that track of management by virtue of their aptitude, not because they've been in the role so long and it's time to move on. Right. I think that that's kind of an easy thing to fall into. Yeah, it is because everybody feels they have to grow and move on into new roles, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's not the case. Yeah. Okay. So the last thing I wanted to talk about is something that is really important to me and, and I strive to do this is, is to find some kind of balance. And I know that a lot of people say that there really is no work-life balance anymore because they're so melded together, but can you talk about kind of how you try to um, maintain a, somewhat of a healthy balance and instill that in your team? Well, actually, it's funny because this is probably one of my favorite topics. I'm not, not only a CIO, but I'm actually a yoga teacher. So my evening job, not every evening, but my evening job is teaching yoga. I teach twice a week. I also oh, teach wow, yoga teachers. Awesome. Yeah, I teach a yoga teacher training program, which is a nine-month program. And I do retreats and, and workshops and things like that. And that part of me forces me to let go of my day job. So when I'm in a classroom of people, I can't think about this place. Yeah. It really allows me to just totally let go and absorb a different kind of energy that's very creative and nurturing and healing. And then I feel great coming back to work the next day. Yeah. <laughs> That's so great to hear. I mean, it, that's something that's been really pretty life-changing for me ever since I became a mom seven years ago. Yoga has just helped me so much. Like you said, there's, there's this time where there's nothing else in your mind, and it's, it's like recharging. It's amazing. As a, matter of fact, as a matter of fact, my son is a lawyer, and he's also a yoga teacher, and we both use that to balance out the technical side of our world. Oh, yeah, Sure. I think the other thing is that work-life balance isn't just about each day. So there may be weeks 
where my role as a CIO is very heavy and very demanding. And then there's other weeks when it's not so bad and I can have a more rich life at home. But it's not, a, not every day is going to be the same. So I think you have to look at it overall over the course of months and weeks and years. Are you getting a little of everything to keep you a well-rounded person? Because it's not just for health, but it makes you better at both roles. Yeah, certainly. So I do t- talk to my team about that. And actually, I will, our team meetings, pull out a yoga breathing exercise and make them do it in our meetings and offer a yoga class before a really major implementation or just things where I kind of, let's step away from our jobs for a minute and take a deep breath. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think that when they can see that and when they know that, it, it kind of gives people permission to step away from work. And I, I think that that's so important and kind of gets lost sometimes. It is because, I, and I, matter of fact, I had this conversation with one of my key employees a couple of weeks ago that she'd been working very hard on the project, and you could see it in her face that she was really struggling, and I said, you need to take a day off. I, I can't, yeah. I don't have time. I said, yes, you have time, just go. Because at some point, you can't even think clearly. You need to step back, get away, and then you come back with way more energy and ideas and clarity, and that's what you want when you work. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Could not agree more. Keeps you healthy, you know, and stress really is the anti-health part of us, so you got to balance that out too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, well, I think that that wraps it up for now. Um, if I have anything else, I will get in touch with you. But Great. It's been great to get to talk to you a little bit, and if I can be of any help at any time in the future, just let me know. All right, well, thank you so much, Linda. Thank you. Have a great night. Thanks, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.